Welcome to episode 12 of Sludge, an American healthcare story, the podcast where I've been sharing my experience with the broken healthcare system in the U.S. I'm Caitlin Durante, and joining me today are two guests. One is someone you already know and love, Sammy Junio, joining me again after a few episodes uh, where we were, you know, both just, (laughs) you're giving me a look, and it's, look, we were busy, and the schedules didn't align. Mm. (laughs) Sounds like betrayal to me. Look, um, why don't you go play with your wooden sword that I haven't brought up in a long time? Anyway, so hi, Sammy. Thank you. Welcome All back. All you need is sludge. <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back. Hello. It's me. It's me. Thanks for being here again. And then uh, my other guest is another friend who's been talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, but this is her first appearance on the show. It's Nikki Flores. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, so, it, uh, Nikki, it was you who was with me as we were exiting the Ren Fair when I started having my first sludge attack. Uh, and it was you who went to get my car. And um, <laughs> and it was also you who we threw under the bus <laughs> whenever <laughs> we were uh, describing your behavior uh, as the sludge attack was happening. So I'm sorry about that. Is I'm there... not. I okay. wow, hadn't even noticed. Did that happen? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Is there anything you would like to say now that you're here to defend yourself? Because um, to, to recap for yeah. listeners, uh, I think it was the first episode when... <laughs> oh, we're giggly. Okay. <laughs> um, we just ate pie. <laughs> Oh, I didn't eat. I can't eat pie. I had a bite of pie. Uh, Did you just hear that? (laughs) I can't. I did it. I ate some. Pretending to not eat pie. (laughs) Anyway, so on the first episode, we were like, oh, man, Nikki didn't know what to do. And she can't handle the crisis and all that stuff. So... Sorry yeah. that we were yes. talking Bless badly about you. Bless her heart, Nikki. We love our friend, but uh-huh. does not know how to handle credit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will just say that it was it was an urgent situation, and I feel that I handled it how it should have been handled. Yeah, but it I, was, yeah, it was no complicated. complaints from me. Yeah, <laughs> except for all the complaints. We also we also sometimes uh, reference the "we moved the car" mm-hmm. conversation, but in my defense. I felt the most important thing was just getting you out of the Ren Fair parking lot. So I was trying to relay the location mm-hmm. of the car, and that's when we got into a bit of an argument because the car had moved. So that's when I said, we moved the car. I thought everyone knew you were sick, and yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, there are a lot of details there. So <laughs> I think that you're wonderful, and I'm glad that you were prioritizing my health and safety so thank you for doing that. Thank you. And it was all a miscommunication, it turned out. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, <laughs> so Nikki, thank you for being here. Sammy, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Uh, so the reason both of you are here today is that you were both present at the very beginning of the sledge story. And you've both been present at what I'm hoping is the end of my story which is my surgery and recovery, which is what today's episode is about. Because, folks, it finally happened. 
The sludge is gone. I am sludge free. Yay! It's the end of the sludge as we know it. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. How are we going to afford the rights to all these <laughs> covers? We won't! <laughs> So today I am basically just going to break down the most notable things that have happened over the past week or so. October 15th, the date of my surgery, rolls around, and Sammy, you were kind enough to wake up with me at 5 a.m. and take me to the hospital for the surgery. Mm -hmm. We arrive at the hospital Everything goes fairly smoothly in terms of like check-in and prep, I think. Although the first thing I do is pay the hospital $2,429 because, you know, this country treats healthcare as a capitalist enterprise rather than a basic human right. So that's cool. Uh, aside from that, the big thing for me that happened pre-surgery that made me be like, what the fuck, uh, was being told that they'd be keeping me in the hospital overnight. Because uh, when the hospital staff called me a few days before this to confirm my surgery, they told me that it's an outpatient procedure and that I would likely be released the same day. But as soon as we got to the hospital, the surgeon tells me that I would definitely be staying overnight. Uh, which is fine. Like, it's not like that messed up my schedule or anything. Like, obviously, I didn't have anything planned for the next couple weeks. But it just feels like another case of there not being clear communication between, like, medical people and the facilities. Much like the we moved the car conversation. <laughs> okay. Yes. Much that, like that, that response. Okay. <laughs> so they tell me that that I'd be staying overnight. Then they start prepping me for the operation. I speak briefly with the surgeon, Dr. X. I also tell him that I've long suspected that I have endometriosis. And I ask if there's any way he could check to see if I have any while I'm cut open and there's a camera inside of me. And he said that he would check. Then the anesthesiologist comes in and starts doing her thing. And the last thing I remember is the anesthesiologist talking to me in the little like prep room thing. Uh, and then I'm unconscious before I even get to the operating room. The surgery, we can assume, happens as planned. Uh, I would later be told that everything went smoothly and that I was a very, a quote, very good surgery patient, <laughs> whatever that means. Now for what happened post-surgery. Uh, Sammy, you actually recorded my thoughts and feelings. I did. After they brought me to my hospital room. And I will play that clip for you now. I started feeling horrible pain. And I couldn't breathe very well. Someone was slapping me in the face to wake me up. Well, really? Yeah, there was like, pick up. Um, but then everyone was like, let her sleep. We're trying to bake her up. Like, people were fighting over me. Oh, that must be nice. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, so they were like, let her sleep off. Don't try to wake her up. But then, like, people kept trying to come and wake me up. And then they were yelling about my heart rate being so low. 
freaking out about that. I heard them like talking about maybe like yours. It's 42. Maybe she's an athlete though. So like I had 10 people come over and be like, are you an athlete? I was like, barely. I don't know. And then they were like trying to figure, like they kept saying I wasn't eligible to, in my condition to be moved to whatever place they wanted to move me to. Um, I guess because of my low heart rate. Oh, so they just had to hang with I you? I think I just I had to hang out. But, and they gave me pain. I was like crying because of how much pain I was in. They gave me something to alleviate it a little bit, but it seems to be wearing off. Um, but I like couldn't take deep breaths. I was just like shallow breathing. Like, I couldn't breathe. I still hurts to breathe. This fucking sucks ass. Ow. Careful. I just... Well, I need pain medication. Okay, yeah, we're gonna get your nurse in here. The end. I don't want to talk anymore. Okay. <laughs> Very bright and sunshiny. That one. Yes. <laughs> I was feeling my best, obviously, as you could tell, and was very happy with how things were going. Um, I will say that I was pretty doped up on anesthesia uh, when I recorded that, and my kind of perception of reality and recollection of events during like the hour or so following my surgery might be a little distorted, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's how things happen for the most part. I know that audio wasn't great. There was a lot of background noise and my speech was pretty garbled. So I'll just give a little recap. I wake up to my face being slapped. <laughs> like not like a violent angry slap, but it was like a bunch of little quick slaps. Like the way a sheriff would wake up a drunk cowboy who passed out <laughs> outside the like horse trough outside of a saloon. Next thing I remember is the anesthesiologist standing right above me screaming at a couple nurses who had taken my, my oxygen mask off and she yells at them to put it back on. Like, why did you take it off? Leave it there for 45 minutes. Doctor's orders. So she's screaming like just a couple feet above me. Then there was all the commotion because of my heart rate having dropped. It was something around 42 beats a minute. For context, a normal resting heart rate for adults ranges from 60 to 100 beats per minute. Uh, so my heart rate was apparently concerningly low. All the people were rushing up to me to ask if I was an athlete. Uh, then there's more screaming because they want to move me, but they can't move me yet because the room is dirty, but they need to move me for some reason anyway. But my heart rate still is too low and like all that stuff. And then there's also a part where the anesthesia is wearing off and I realize how much pain I'm in, which is a lot. And then I start crying and hyperventilating and someone comes over and asks me why I'm crying. <laughs> and then I tell them and then someone else yells at me to stop breathing like that. But I'm in so much pain and like I'm still uninhibited by the anesthesia that I like don't have control of my body and my feelings. 
So the environment that I woke up in right after coming out of surgery was people screaming at each other or screaming at me, my face being slapped, just so much noise and hostility. And it was very chaotic and scary and horrible. So uh, after me being in the recovery room, I am wheeled on a gurney into my hospital room. I remember looking up at the clock, seeing it was about 1230. That's when Sammy, you recorded my, uh, you know, incredible (laughs) monologue um, that will be studied in acting schools and probably screenwriting classes as well. Um, I don't know if you remember this part, but so before your surgery we had a conversation of like when when you got out and I was able to see you you gave me full rights to videotape slash record you immediately yes I remember that yeah cool but upon entering your room I saw the look on your face I was like I'm not going to record this immediately and then so like it was like maybe like 15 to 20 minutes and then you were you started like telling me how you were feeling and you were like record I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you didn't get any video right because it was no. ugly no i didn't i thought well, about it but i didn't do it thank you so much hey you're welcome uh so things get i would say even worse from here uh <laughs> because the next major thing that happens is i'm now in my hospital room and they have me hooked up to an iv so they're pumping me full of fluids and i realize that i need to pee I tell this to the nurse who is right there, so she puts a bedpan under me. I try to pee in the bedpan, uh, but I just I just know it's not gonna work. Like my brain will not let me pee unless I'm like sitting over a toilet, and I'm still in like horrible pain from you know just I don't know having had surgery. I think I've been given pain medication, but I'm not really sure. It doesn't really feel like it because my pain is so excruciating and I tell the nurse that I'm still in a lot of pain. I ask for some pain relief. She leaves, presumably, to go get some pain medication for me. Then things get very foggy for me for about two hours where all I remember is just being in horrible pain that whole time. Partly from all my incisions and the discomfort from the surgery and partly from having to pee so bad and still not being able to go. So from all this pain that I'm in, I start crying again. Sammy, you're here for part of this. Uh, All of of it? All of it? Okay. Thank you so much. Wow. I was truly blinded by pain. I don't don't even know. And then (laughs) here's maybe my favorite part of the whole day. A nurse comes in, sees that I'm bawling, and tells me to calm down. (laughs) Yikes. So another nurse is there, I think, doing I'm not sure what. I ask if they can just, like, help me get up out of bed and, like, help me get to the toilet so that I can finally pee. Keep in mind, I've had to pee for about two hours now. They agree to this. They get me to the toilet They're like hovering over me in a weirdly weird, uncomfortable way. Mm -hmm. So I say, maybe you should leave. (laughs) And then, and then they like gesture for you to come in, Sammy. And then you like, are just like rubbing my back. And then finally I'm able to pee. With my hand squarely on your spine. (laughs) It's true. Yep. I've never felt more close to you. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, so some of my pain is alleviated from finally being able to pee. And then it's also right around this time that I am finally given pain medication for what feels like the first time since I woke up from surgery. Not totally sure what the timeline was. I don't really know what happened in the recovery room because I was still quite out of it. All I do know is that I was in excruciating pain for two to three hours. So overall, so far, the bedside manner of the staff was, let's say, not good. I don't know, Sammy, you you were more cognizant mm-hmm. than I was. You know, that is a very uh, accurate... Um, <laughs> I don't know if you... Do, Maybe you don't remember, but um, before they were giving you pain medication, the nurse was just like, maybe two nurses, um, and one of them was just like, is she on any pain meds? And one of them was like, no, she wasn't prescribed any. So, like, a nurse had to run out and, like, figure out what the deal was with the fact that you didn't have any pain medication at all. Oh, because I had no one, a doctor had not prescribed me any pain medication yet. No. Okay, so the same thing must have happened with the nausea medication, right? Yeah. Okay, so the the next major thing that happens... So for around two hours, things are okay. I've peed. I've been given pain medication finally. And then they bring me dinner. And this is, Nikki, when you show up after you got off work to visit me in the hospital. Yes. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes, of course. (laughs) But... I'm trying to eat like the jello that they give me, but I'm far too nauseous to eat. So I ask if there's any nausea medication that they can give me, and they say, oh, yes. And then they disappear for, what, like an hour and a half or something like that? Yeah, so you'd been very slowly trying to eat when I arrived. You take one bite at a time of the jello and say that you're nauseous. So finally, when a nurse like emerged, um, (laughs) one of the first questions was, can we get some anti-nausea medicine? Caitlin can't eat Mm -hmm. without feeling sick. And they did the exact same thing that apparently had happened earlier, where the nurse looked around a bit and then said, oh, I guess the doctor forgot to prescribe that. I'll have to go call him again. So she walked out of the room. And did not return for, I, yeah, I think at least an hour until oh another gosh. nurse came in. We asked the same question, and then she was like, oh, let me go check on it. And then finally said, oh, it looks like we got it. Now I have to send it to the pharmacy. And in the end, an hour oh. and a half passed Yikes. before you got that medicine. <laughs> I don't know the standard protocol for this type of thing. But I have to believe that when someone goes in for surgery, prior to coming out of it, someone would anticipate different needs of mine. Maybe those needs are pain medication. (laughs) Maybe those needs are nausea medication. You would think that, like, they would be able to anticipate those needs and prescribe medication ahead of time. I don't know if that's just not how things work, but yeah, I waited around for so long for two different types of medication, and it just seems like it shouldn't have happened that way. (laughs) Thanks to the both of you for advocating for me um, as much as you did, uh, because again, I was in so much pain that I don't think I could have adequately advocated for myself. 
So thanks for being there. You're welcome. Um, um, so then the next thing is that I have a few more visitors who come. We are just kind of hanging out in my room. Everyone leaves for the evening except Sammy. Uh, you were wonderful enough to stay overnight with me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I sleep at all. Between the nursing staff needing to tend to me or more often the roommate who is in the room with me uh, because there is commotion every 30 minutes, I would say. Yeah, every 15 um, to 30 minutes. Or yeah. So. Um, another friend of mine who visited me, Claire, later told me that they had put me in the oncology ward, which I didn't know. To, I didn't like realize that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was in the oncology ward, which might explain why my needs didn't seem to ever be prioritized. Okay. I'm not sure, but most of the patients around me were maybe dying from cancer or... This makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Why was I put in the oncology ward, though? They just probably uh, ran out of rooms. Yeah. Or they also didn't know that you were staying over until the morning. Maybe. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> this just stressed me out. <laughs> yeah. Th- so I didn't sleep at all. And also, it's worth noting that because I'm hooked up to the IV, every, like, one to two hours, I need to hit the call button to have someone help me get up to use the restroom. And every time I did that, the response was always like, what do you need? <laughs> or like, okay, fine, we'll send someone in. And it was like, it was just never, there was no sense of like empathy or just the bedside manner was never there. It was always like, what a chore it is that we have to take care of you. <laughs> right. It's bonkers though that like, their response time was quicker than the last few times I was in a hospital. Right. So you've been in a hospital recently mm-hmm. um, with your sister. Yeah. And she had stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. And like it took them like 25 to 30 minutes to show up after every time she called them. Wow. And so like the fact that they showed up within like five to 10 minutes for you was yeah. just is bonkers. Same amount of sass though. Right. I mean, I fully understand that... A lot of hospital staff are overworked. They're working very long shifts a lot of times. Hospitals, I imagine, are probably understaffed a lot of the time. And it's just on top of that, a very hard job. Nursing is difficult work. So I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm poo-pooing the job at all or anything like that. Uh, Also of note. I've had extensive experiences in hospitals as well. Yeah. Mine have always been very positive and have met, if not exceeded, expectations. And that may not be the norm at all. Right. But I do think it depends on the hospital. Yeah. Um, I think we were lucky enough to be at very good hospitals. Yeah, I think it probably depends largely on the hospital, maybe even the city. I know, like, your family member was in hospitals in Boston mostly, which are famous for being the best hospitals in the country, largely. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors at play. Uh, But the fact remains that the care I received was substandard, and that's putting it nicely. 
However, and I'm not saying I'm happy about the care that I received because I'm not. It was pretty unpleasant. But it is very fitting based on everything that's happened so far in this story. It would almost be like, (laughs) I would almost be disappointed if suddenly, like at the last stage of this process, like everything went so smoothly. The care I got was amazing because it would just create this huge inconsistency in my story. So the fact that the care I received, the pain I was in and everything, you know, not going very well is a very fitting end to this sludge saga. Uh, Right now we're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. Uh, A few more things happen though when I'm still in the hospital. Uh, The following morning, my surgeon stops by. This conversation is pretty bizarre because I somehow accidentally convinced him that I do not need a prescription for pain medication. Yeah. What I think happens here is that he asks me how my pain is. I say that it's still pretty bad. He says, well, I can give you a prescription or you can just take ibuprofen. And then I, being all loopy from the pain medication I am currently on and clearly am in need of say, yeah, I have ibuprofen. And then he says, okay, you can just take that then. And then he just kind of leaves. So I... I have the recording for that as well. Okay. And he goes, I can prescribe pain medication. And then you say, I have ibuprofen. And he goes, okay, yeah, the pain's not that bad. We don't need to prescribe you anything. So he tells me what my pain level is. Well, yeah, after you say that, I have ibuprofen. He goes, yeah, he like brushes off the fact that you've even had surgery and the surgery's hurt. And he's just like, yeah, the pain's probably not that bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> was he cutting Caitlin off a lot? Yeah. Because I feel like that's how he spoke. Oh. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah, he cut he made- Caitlin off a lot and then like yeah. spoke so fast, which is why I, I insisted on getting recordings of everything, especially when he was around. Yeah. He was right. like hard to have a conversation with. Oh, right. Because you spoke to him on the phone. I did. Nikki. Yes. And he cut me off constantly throughout the maybe 30 second conversation to tell me how excellent and very good the surgery went. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was such a good surgery patient that of course it went well. It was amazing. Just lie there like a dead body. Yeah, I was great. Great patient. Highly skilled on my part. Yeah. I mean, your heart rate did drop a little bit, but Mm -hmm. also my blood pressure was getting alarmingly low. Uh, They would, they kept coming in every couple hours to just like check my vitals and my blood pressure. I think the lowest that it got was like 87 over 54 or something like that, which is, I guess, low. Um, But it's because I'm such an athlete that uh, my (laughs) blood pressure. So I don't know. Anyway, um, (laughs) the, the surgeon does not prescribe me any pain medication for my recovery is what happens there. Uh, I also asked him if he found any endometriosis. He said that he did not, but he did find a cyst on my ovary. And I said, okay, uh, is that cause for concern? And he said, nope. And I said, okay, (laughs) because... 
I don't know. It sort of sounds like it would be a cause for concern, but again, I'm not a doctor, so I guess the cyst on my ovary is actually very fine and cool for it to be there. So, you know, <laughs> doctor knows best. Uh, then he discharges me, and a while later, I'm finally unhooked from the IVs and everything, and then I go home. The next few days are rough. The pain is a lot. I take way too much ibuprofen because again I have not been prescribed a stronger pain medication. Things like getting in and out of bed are very difficult and painful. Coughing, burping, hiccuping, laughing, pooping, moving, and just generally being alive is all very painful. For the first few days uh, I was feeling very bloated and in pain from the gas that they had pumped into my abdomen. Then around day three, uh, I think I pull a muscle in my abdomen, either like sitting up in bed or suppressing a cough or something. So then there's extra pain there. But uh, with every day that passes, uh, I'm in a little less pain. Uh, I'm a little less bloated. Moving around is easier. Uh, today, the day of this recording, is day six after the surgery, and I'm feeling pretty good. I still have a little bit of pain, but it's way more manageable, and now I just kind of have to wait things out. Um, I'm not allowed to do any strenuous activity like running, playing soccer, or any other heavy exercise for about four weeks. Uh, I have to stay on a low-fat diet for four to six weeks, and then slowly introduce fatty foods back into my diet while my body relearns how to digest fat without my gallbladder. I'm also waiting on some more medical bills to show up because my deductible has not yet been met by a few thousand dollars, so waiting on those bills. I've also been shopping around for better health insurance since my current insurance is part of the reason that this whole process was such a nightmare, but by the looks of it, I'm going to have to pay hundreds of dollars more per month than I have been paying to have coverage that isn't absolute garbage because the system is very much set up in a way that tells people the more money you have, the more deserving we feel you are of quality health care. So love that about this system. Hurrah. I think what I just need to do now is thank a bunch of people. So Sammy, let's start with you. <laughs> thank you for taking me to the hospital, being there the whole time, spending several nights in a row with me, uh, everything you've done up to the point of this surgery and everything you've done since. Nikki, thank you for also visiting me in the hospital, for going to get groceries for me a couple times. And? And playing Yahtzee with me. And? and oh my gosh, what else did you do? I don't know. Do you have a new bear friend or do you not? Oh my god, I do have a new bear friend. I have Todd, aka Toddington Bear, that you so nicely gave me from Build-A-Bear. And these are the sounds that Toddington Bear makes. <laughs> Obviously, there is a cat meowing, but so many of them sound like the cats in a lot of distress and pain. 
So actually very fitting uh, because I was in so much pain and distress for most of my recovery. Um, <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. For this gift. My friends Claire, Catherine, and Alex, thanks to them for visiting me in the hospital. Uh, Alex also gave me a ride home and he brought me several DVDs to watch. And The Shining. Right. He gave me the book of The Shining. Thank you to Bryant, Jamie, and Nolan for visiting me at home. Thank you to my friend Loretta, who took me to and from a follow-up appointment that I had with my surgeon a few days after the operation, in which he replaced one of my bandages, then reassured me that the cyst on my ovary was nothing to worry about, and then told me pretty much nothing else. So very cool appointment. But yes, thank you so much to Loretta for taking me there, waiting for me, and then driving me back home. So very much appreciated. Thank you to everyone who emailed me or sent me a message or commented on one of my posts on social media with your well wishes. Um, Thank you to everyone who donated and or shared my GoFundMe campaign. That was an absolute lifesaver. And uh, finally, thank you to Andrew Hartzler for naming their horse after me. (laughs) Yeah. A fan emailed me and uh, said I have this new horse and it's a female horse and she's very strong and powerful and who else do i know that's like that caitlin durante i'm naming my horse caitlin durante so there's a horse out there named caitlin durante and it belongs to andrew and thank you so much for honoring me and the memory of my sludge by naming your horse after me so shouts out to andrew when you're saying memory of my sludge, mm-hmm. I really wanted to ask if you feel like your sludge will live on. Oh, my sl- Oh, my sludge will live on. <laughs> Ooh, it's really hard Where to sing in Celine Dion's register. <laughs> this feels weird because this is like the sludge story coming to an end. Mm. But my recovery is going well. Like I said, I'm feeling less and less pain every day. Uh, Seems like things will be pretty smooth for me in terms of this recovery from here on out. Um, But of course, this is not the end of Sludge because I will be coming back with season two. For that, I will be talking to other guests about their healthcare horror stories. So stay tuned for that. And also, who knows? I've got this cyst on my ovary. Apparently it's not a cause for concern, but who knows? Some... <laughs> we'll see. Oh. Stay tuned for a possible season three uh, ovary sludge. <laughs> but uh, in any case, um, yes, just a final thanks again to everyone who's been supportive of me during this whole process because it's been so incredibly frustrating and it's such a relief for it to finally be over. I can't thank everyone enough for all of your support in its many forms. Yeah, I guess stay tuned for more sludge coming at you soon. If you would like to email me, you can do that at sludgestorypodcast at gmail.com. If you have your own healthcare horror stories that you want to share with me and then for me to share uh, on upcoming episodes of the podcast, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sludgepodcast. 
And uh, Sammy, Nikki, mm. where can people follow you? You can follow me on Insta Sludge at ityoursam, I-T under sludge, Y-O-U-R under sludge, S-A-M. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, yes, you can follow me on Instagram at nymflo, mm-hmm. which is obviously N-M-F-L-O. Nymflow. Yeah, but where's the sludge part of it? Sludge. Sludge flow. <laughs> Nym sludge. Nice. Uh, great. <laughs> yes, follow follow my friends. And um, any any final thoughts? Any parting words? Uh, I'm really happy that uh, the sludge has finally gotten out of you. Uh, it was quite a journey to mm-hmm. witness and uh, be a part of. Thank you. You know what a po- another positive of the sludge I think you and Nikki have become much closer because of all of this. That's true. Yeah. Look at that. Friendship. Sludge brought us together. Yes, as it does. uh, We're all in sludge together. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I have to go. The sludge. (laughs) (laughs) Make a sludge. (laughs) Cut it. Uh, Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hashtag Sludge Free 2020. Yeah. Yeah.